Make your word alive to us. And Father God, we thank you that your word is truth, that is a light unto our feet, but it's our manual for life. It's to help us navigate life, not just now, but even look into our eternity. It's your word that helps us to ascertain your will for our lives and helps us to live in a way that will bring pleasure to you, the one we love. And we pray this morning as we continue this series on the believer's crowns, help us to run well. Help us to live well. Help us to live in such a way that we will bring honor to the King. Lord, help us to live in such a way that men and women around about us will know that we are representatives of the King. So Lord, help us now. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Two just quick readings this morning, two verses, one from the book of James and one from the book of Revelation. Um, if you have your one finger in James 1 and 12, and put another finger on Revelation 2 and 10. And if you're using an iPad, I don't know where you're going to put your finger. All right. <laughs> but if you have those two scriptures, that would be great. Um, that would be really, really good. And let me read them. James 1 and 12 says this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. And the Lord has promised to those that love him. Let me read that again. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And Revelation 2 and 10 says this. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as the crown, the victor's crown. It was April the 13th, 1685. And there was a stillness over the Scottish town. And the reason why there was a stillness at the time, because the court was in session. And everybody was listening to find out what would happen to two ladies who were known as covenanters. Two ladies who would not bow to the pressure of Catholicism in that day where the state was trying to run everything. And for these ladies, they felt to go through, as it were, the function of the church without having a real relationship with Jesus. These ladies were born again, and they believed in a personal relationship of Jesus Christ. And in those days, if you didn't go their way, they persecuted you. And these two ladies were on trial for their faith. And the reason why they were being tried was really just because they believed in a biblical personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved Jesus. The town was Wigton in Scotland. One lady was a 70-year-old woman who was loved by the people of her time because this lady who was a widow 
lived what it said on the tin. She was respected and she was loved because this lady was truly a born-again believer. The other lady was an 18-year-old farmer's daughter. One, the older lady, Margaret McLaughlin, this young girl was called Margaret Wilson. And again, someone who loved the Lord Jesus Christ. After two days of being held in these dark, dingy cells, it's recorded that on the 13th, it was a lovely Sunday morning, sunny morning, and they were brought out before the people and they were taken to where they were going to be sentenced to death. They were taken down to a burn. And at the mouth of the burn where the water would be a floodplain, where the water would come in, there was one stake there and there was one stake further back. And the older saint, the 70-year-old lady, was tied to the first stake. Then the second lady, this 18-year-old slip of a girl, was tied to the second one. It was Bannockburn. And their sentence was death by drowning because they had a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the water came in on the floodgate, the first day, and it whelmed all around this older lady, this young girl could see what was happening to her older friend, watching her as the water swelled round her mouth. And this older lady passed in the eternity, struggling for a breath as the water came in. And some of the soldiers started to say to this young girl, is it worth it now, lass? Is it worth it now? And the wee girl was reported to say, do not think that it is us suffering, but it is Christ who suffers in me. And as the water come up round this wee girl of 18 years of age, she was heard quoting Romans chapter 8. Nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Tribulation, famine, nakedness, or sword. And then that young girl too passed into God's presence to his eternity. I believe these two ladies will get the crown of life. And for many like them before, and many like them since, those people who will die for their faith, who have such a remarkable trust in the Lord as their Savior, that they will not give up to them is the crown of life. But what does it mean for us practically? Because the reality of is that where we live today in our world, it's probably not going to be likely that we're going to be asked to give up our life physically because of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you turn to me to one of the other parables that we will be looking at? Or not parables, sorry. The, um, it's gone. <laughs> just let's just go to Matthew 5 and we're going to read <laughs> from verses 10 to 12 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven verse 11 of Matthew 5 says this blessed are you 
when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, the truth is, see if you're on fire for God, if you're living the way God has called you to live, more than likely in your life you're going to face persecution. In your life you're going to be the butt of somebody's joke. In your life you're going to be kept as an outsider because oftentimes what happens is because people know you're different from the way they are, that scares them, that sometimes convicts them, that makes them realize, that, well, they live different from the way I live, and therefore we're going to keep them out from the how we do the way we do. Oftentimes you will be ostracized because you will take a stand for Jesus Christ, because you choose Christ. My friends, you're going to lose friends at times when you decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. People will laugh. People will ridicule. Many of you will be the butt of people's jokes in the workplace. In fact, just this week, someone shared with me some of the things that they deal with weekly when they go into work from the hand of some people who just constantly nip at his heels because of his faith and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember as a young boy over in Donald High, I remember my sister saying to me when um, I was going to start the high school, it was a big thing, the boys' high school had a big reputation. You got your head flushed down toilets in those days and all of those things. I remember one of my sisters saying to me, I bet you won't wear your wee badge. And do you remember the wee badges those days? For those of us of a certain generation, Jesus saves. People used to say, what does he save? Green shield stamps. And if you get that, you're older than I am. And people would ridicule, but you know, for me, I knew I had to take my stand. But I can remember, still to this day, I could take to this spot in the school where some lads came and pushed me to the ground and they spat on me and the thing they said was Christian. It was embarrassing. It was hurtful. I remember getting up and brushing myself down. But one thing I do remember was the amazing presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we take that stand to follow the Lord in our day, when we live different because he calls us to be different, when we hold on, even when our cultures tell us today that the Bible is something from the past, but when we hold on to his love message, when we hold on to the direction that he gives us, for our, when we stand for him, let me tell you, friends, People will make false allegations. People will say, we did this, we did that. People will do what they will do because they will not want us to follow Jesus. But have you that spirit? Have you that heart to stand in those moments? And you know, friends, this morning, for all that we would stand for in our country, it is nothing to think of God's precious servants around this world who are beaten for meeting people that are tortured for their faith. 
And we need, friends, to have that tenacity of spirit to take whatever comes. And maybe you don't think it happens. Friends, it does. And I know this was probably about 50 years ago now, but we have a dear, dear friend called Kate. Somebody gave her a tract. It shows you how old it is because she read the tract and she hid it underneath the oilcloth. Now, it brings a few memories back, doesn't it, for some of you? She came from a Roman Catholic family. And she went into her work the next day and she said to her friend that she worked beside her that she'd give her life to Jesus. And the wee girl says to her, well, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian, but my mom is, and I'll go and tell my mom. And the next day she comes in and the wee girl stands beside her in the workplace and she says to her, my mom was delighted to hear that you've come to faith. And my mommy said, if you need anywhere to live, you can come and live with us. And Kate was saying to herself, why on earth would I need to go and live with you? She soon found out. Because her mom realized wrongly, one, she said, you've become a Protestant. Friends, there's no word Protestant in the Bible. You're either saved or you're not saved. That's the only things that's saved or not saved. He says, but not only did you become a Protestant, but you get saved into the bargain. See, this lady knew there was a difference between nominal Protestantism and being a born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that day her family turned on her and beat her to the place of it was so bad, Kate is convinced that the doctor was called, and in those days, Doctors knew you by your name. And Kate was shoved into the front room and he produced an injection out of his bag. And Kate panicked. She's not a violent woman, but she panicked that day and she lifted the old chalk vase and she said to the doctor, if you come anywhere near me, I'm going to clobber you with this. And the words of the doctors were this. To the father, Johnny, if I get caught with this, I'll be struck off. What Kate thought was this, that she, the family were going to get her put away that she'd had a mental breakdown or something that happened, and Kate had to get out of her home. Do you know Kate only got to spend time with one of her brothers 30 years later when she went to Canada? For years and years, their family would not speak to them because of her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think, and I shared this with you before, I read in an article not that long ago about a lady in uh, another country who came to be baptized and everybody was saying, but why have you got a suitcase with you? The lady was a Muslim lady. And she knew that day, if she went through those waters, she couldn't go home. Now church, that's faith. That's determination, isn't it? I was saved in the Sambies of God down in the Cumber Road. And um, I always remember wee Jackie, wee man that came to the church. And when the meeting was going well and the spirit of God was moving, Jackie would be in the aisle. He used to be a wee boxer and he would be sparring in the aisle. As everybody was worshipping, Jackie was sparring in the aisle. I don't know if he was fighting with who, but he was, he was working away. But you know his story was? 
The night he came home and told his wife that he had given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, his wife said, well, you have a choice. It's either me or the children or Jesus. And that wee man said, I'm following Jesus. You see, we will be persecuted for our faith. And as a church, we will sometimes go through trials. And James says, blessed, happy is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them. We've been fortunate in our nation up to now, haven't we? Even in all the troubles, I know there was those that were murdered and darkly and as they worshipped the Lord. But we've been quite fortunate. But I want to say this, church, this morning, times are changing. And do you know what the biggest thing is going to be? And this is so, so sad. Do you know why persecution is going to come? Because each one of us, because we love the Lord Jesus Christ, are soon going to be all branded homophobic. Because that's the next thing. It seems to be today that if you don't agree with everything that that group of people want to do, you're homophobic. Through friends of ours, we have a few people and family members of friends who are homosexual. And when we meet them, we love them, we encourage them, we go out for meals, we are in their presence because they're some of our children's friends' children. And we've known them from they were children. Where have we got to this stage in life now that we have to agree with everything that everybody else says and be 100% behind everything that they want and when we're not, that we don't love them? For those of you that are married in the house this morning, we don't always agree with each other in our households about things, but we still love one another. And we were talking about this, and brother, you spoke so well around the table this morning. But love is. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not prideful. And I think what's going to happen in our nation is this. The first wave, wave of persecution is going to come to us is this. If we don't give in to marrying people, doing that type of thing in our churches, we'll be seeing that we're not all inclusive. Therefore, the first attack will be they will take away the charity status of churches. That's why we need to be good givers churches, because there's going to be a day that's going to be taken away from us. And yet the truth is we can love someone and not agree with everything they stand for. We can show them kindness, that the Lord tells us to show, patience, care, all of those things. But that doesn't mean to say we're homophobic. And yet there is almost at the moment this thing that if you don't agree and don't give in to every demand, therefore Christians are homophobic. We just need to keep loving. Treating people with dignity, even though we don't agree with them. But I think that is one way our world is going to change and our culture. I think 
Not only is it to do with persecution, this crime, and the trials, but also I think too that there are those that are going to get the crown of life because they have lived with changing illnesses, horrific circumstances, and they've lived with a thorn in their flesh. And in the midst of all of those things, life-changing illnesses and accidents and and believers who carry on believing God, even though they're in the midst of a horrific situation. I'm sure many of you have read um, Joni Tata Erickson's book, Young Girl, I think she was only 16, 17, dived into a swimming pool, broke her neck, and paralyzed from there down. She is a motivational speaker. She's a Christian writer. If you've ever, ever heard her, her outlook in life is absolutely amazing. I watched a documentary on her one time and I saw her being lifted by an air steward into her seat. You could see the amazing pain this lady was in and yet she turned and smiled graciously at that guy. Have you ever seen the guy, and I have written his name down, but you know I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, Nick, I'm going to spell it, V-U-J-I-C-I-C. You know who I'm talking about? The guy who basically has no limbs. I watched a documentary um, during the week, about 10, 15 minutes on that. This guy, outlook in life is absolutely made. Thousands of people are coming to faith because of his testimony, his outlook in life, his go-get-it attitude, all because he knows that God sees his worth and he is loved by God. I believe these guys will receive a crown because of their perseverance under trial. There is a crown for those who endure. What are you going through just now? Are you going through sickness? pain in the heart, maybe circumstances in your life that are so out of control, maybe things not ideal, maybe things not the way you would like them to be in your life, and it's so easy in those times, the enemy to come up and whisper in her ear, it's foolishness. If God loved you, why would he be putting you through all of that? And this is where the endurance and the perseverance comes in, because we know, but we know that he loves us, and we keep going. We were never promised a pain-free life. Jesus said, because you're going to follow me, you're going to have trouble. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's in that perseverance, it's in that enduring, no matter what we're going through at this part of our lives, that he is there and he can help us and he will see us through. We need to keep going, guys. And you know, sometimes to get ourselves into perspective, we just need to hear somebody else's story. What's that we say? And we'll say over here in Northern Ireland, there's always somebody worse off than ourselves. And sometimes when you hear somebody else, what they're going through, and they're faithful to the Lord and they keep going, doesn't it do something in your spirit to inspire you to keep in there and keep going, no matter how difficult it may be? Let's not have a grumbling spirit like the children of Israel. Don't know if I ever told you this one. And I wish I could have got a copy of it because I would have loved it. But um, somebody sent my brother-in-law a, a card one time, and it was the children of Israel 
I'm just about to go across the Dead Sea and the waters were all being held back and Moses was standing in the middle and the wee caption, cartoon caption was, what do you mean, it's too muddy? You couldn't please them. Do you know, some believers are going to get to heaven and they're always moaning. It's going to be, Lord, could you turn the glare down from the, the streets of gold? Never happy. Friends, there are times when we go through stuff that we do not want to go through. And the reason why this guy Nick, and, and I'm not saying I'm even there all the time, and um, Erica, friends, their focus is in a different place sometimes. Sometimes our focus is on the problem instead of the Savior. The reason why they have confidence and they can smile in their storm is because their focus isn't on their circumstance. Their focus is on their Jesus. They will learn to be content like we listened about the Apostle Paul last week, all that he went through, being content. Do you know, sometimes we sing an awful lot of lies in church. Do you know that? Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. And something goes wrong in our lives and doesn't match up to what we wanted to match up or that prayer doesn't get answered or something fails that we'd love to work and we're like, well, where were you, Lord? But sure we just sang Christ is enough? You see, where's our focus? Is our focus on circumstance, on people, or is our focus on the Lord Jesus? And when it's on the Lord Jesus, our outlook in life is so, so different. Here's another wee thing. Not just about those under trial, but if you read this passage of Scripture, we read in it, that it says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. So we've looked at that and we need to be people with a tenacity of spirit that keeps going, even though the circumstance may be against us, keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep running the race if we want to get this crown. But then it goes on to say, but it's also promised to those who love him. But I want to say this, church, this morning. Again, do you know, a lot of us fall in and out of love an awful lot, don't we? And even the word love, which is such a strong, meaningful word, sometimes we overplay that. I love donuts. I love that outfit on you. We've all done it. But, do you know, when we look at Scripture... We find out, and we, we learned this again on Wednesday in our Bible study, that yes, love is more than our emotions. Now, can I say this? In faith, it is an emotion. We don't have a dead faith because we have a living Savior, and it is a love life. And with that love life, there becomes emotions. But the love goes deeper than just the emotions of the high of the worship service. 
It's easy to love Jesus and sing, oh, hi, I love Jesus, when everything's grand and we're in the worship service and everybody's around us, but we're in the middle of the week and somebody's giving you it hard and work because you're a child of God. There has to be something stronger than the emotion. And the Bible tells us here that how we love Jesus is by doing this. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. Do you remember when you first fell in love, for those of you that have been there? You got to know quickly what that other person liked and didn't like, and you knew not to do certain things because you knew that the person that you loved didn't like those things. Now, I'll tell you a wee story about how I have loved Donna for years and years because Donna, for years and years, for some reason, thought that I loved walnut whips, hated them. And every year at Christmas, she would buy me, and I used to look at it, open them up and go, why do you keep them in my head? But of course, I'd be, hum, 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 thank you so much. Until one day I got up the courage and went, Donna, I don't even like those. <laughs> or the story of the old couple who on their 50th anniversary, she wasn't in a good mood and he brought her out a piece of toast and it was the heel of the loaf. She says, 50 years of marriage and all I get is the heel of the loaf. And she gave off some stink about getting the heel of the loaf. And the wee man says, ah, but that's my favorite bit. Oh. <laughs> Friends, love has to be more than the emotion. Our love for Jesus has to come out of obedience. And that's why we need to stick so close to the world to, word today. You know, friends, we're living in a society today for political correctness and to peaceify people in our world. There's people now wanting to get a big pair of scissors and cut some stuff out of God's word and oh, we'll not do that anymore because that would offend. But we're offending him. Because our true love for the Savior is when you find out what his word says and you live according to the word. That's how you know you're in love with Jesus. And as much as we love to wave our hands in the, the, uh, and sometimes maybe do the Pentecostal two-step and all the rest of it, our true love for Jesus is when we know what his word says and we practice it, even though we may know that by sticking to what the word of God says in his word, because remember, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a reason why you called him Lord. Because what you were saying in that day when you surrendered your heart to him was that he would now be the leader of your life, the guide. Your life was no longer yours anymore, but your life is his. Therefore, you go his way, not your way. And loving the Lord isn't about just when it suits you. Loving the Lord is carrying out his word, no matter how difficult that may be, is to love 
the Lord. If you want to measure, and I love the game what our brother said this morning, and how do we day like that one time? He talked about going out and saying, Lord, will you show me how you love me, Lord? And he saw the wee sparrow. And I remember one time in ministry, I was really, really busy, very, very tired, and I was going to clack the preacher to come in from the States to preach for us. And I was exhausted. And when you get like that, sometimes you just need the Lord to say, you're doing okay and I love you. I remember my mom had sent me a tape from here, from a meeting here. And, you know, whenever I even got to hear the preacher preach, it was one week chorus, always there for me, very carefully watching over me night and day. And that was just enough for me to know that God was still looking after me and loved me. But let's not make our love life with Jesus all one-sided. How are we proving our love to him? We prove our love to him by being in obedience. By being obedient to the one who called us and loved us. Finally this morning, here's a wee third thing. Go to Revelation 2 and 10. And this is John writing to a church called Smyrna. It says this, Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison and test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Now, again, we don't know if that was literal 10 days, you know, what revelation can be, or if it was a period of time. But it says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Want to get this crown? Friends, we need to learn faithfulness. Faithfulness, one, to our God. Faithfulness and our love life with him. We've talked about loving him and keeping his commandments, but we need to be faithful to him first of all. Not to what people want us to do, not what the world would want us to do, but we need to remain faithful in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to stay faithful. Faithful with our devotion. Do you know we've all waned, haven't we, at times when it comes to reading the word and praying, and sometimes we have to give ourselves a good kick and get ourselves back into gear, and we need people around us to encourage us, and but we need to stay faithful in that relationship with our God. But you know, friends, we also need to be faithful to the family of God as well. Do you know, in our study again, um, just on Wednesday night, we were reminded of these words. And this is Paul coming to his church, because, you know, it's very easy sometimes and a lot of people have said, you know, I love God, but I'm not so sure about his church. And there's a lot of people that lopped out of church because they think, well, I can't be doing with people, so I'm going to opt out. Let's go back a step. If you love God, you can't opt out of his church because he is the church. Church is his bride. And he loves his bride. And he wants us to love church. He wants us to love the bride. 
And we were reminded of these words on Wednesday night. And again, here was the Apostle Paul writing to the church who were to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you not to be what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry, angry temper, sorry, disputes, slander, gossip, arrogance, disturbance. I'm a good church, isn't it? You see, friends, if we want to love God, we've got to love each other. We've got to really work at putting our differences aside, or the past things that we've done in each other. We need to draw a line and we need to move on and keep loving the way God wants us to love because we have to be faithful one to the other. As we're faithful to him, we have to be faithful to each other. And walk the way he wants us to walk. And we need to be faithful friends. I believe to the devotion to the house of God. We have a wee saying in ministry, and you've probably heard it too over the years. The faithful few. And every church has them. Rain, hail, storm, whatever. You know, people who will always be at their prayer meeting will always be focused in on what God wants them to be doing. Why would we even bring that up? Do you remember we talked about if you're going to obey the Lord to show him your love, you need to get linked into his desire for you. And Jesus said for himself, zeal for my house consumes me. Ach, I don't fancy it today, I just stay at home. Jesus said, zeal for my house consumes me. If he loved the Father's house, friends, we need to have a love for the house. We need to have a love for the gathering together of the saints to be together no matter what. To pray, to seek his face, to worship, to learn together, to live together, to love together, to do. But the Lord Jesus said, zeal for my house consumes me. And sometimes we have a choice. We can make it a happy home or we can make it a sad, hurtful home. But it's down to our choice. Are we coming to church with the right attitude, with a good heart, to see things going on well? Are we so focused on other things? And the Lord's saying to us today through his precious word, we may not be called to lay down our lives physically, but if we endure trials and temptations, we can have the crown of life. Friends, whatever you're going through today, keep going. Keep going. If we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, if we love him, we may get the crown of life. Friends, if we're faithful, we can get the crown of life. So can we encourage one another? 
to be enduring, loving, and faithful. In that hope that maybe on that day, Jesus will say to us, East Point, people, here's a cry of life. And what do we do with those crimes? Cast them in worship at Jesus' feet. Amen. Bless Lord. Thank you, Susan.